Hello and welcome to Epic Nitpick. Every week we choose one piece of pop culture and offer our highly uncredentialed take. This week we'll be reviewing Isle of Dogs. I am Andy, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and perfect sunflower of a man, Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm good, Andy. I'm I'm very happy to be back in your presence. We have not been together for a very long time, and it's good to see you. It's good to be with you. It just so happens the stars aligned for us to record another episode of Epic Nitpick, which the criteria is we both have to have seen a film that we want to talk about. You're too busy seeing scary films, and I'm just not into that. <laughs> Every now and then, Paul sees a movie, and I'm like, oh, you saw a movie? We should record a thing about it. So here we are talking about this. I think there's probably a lot to discuss, a lot to dig into here. So before we before we even talk about this film, Paul, mm-hmm. I'd love to know what your general thoughts are on Wes Anderson. Are you an Anderson fan? I'm an, an Anderhead. <laughs> um, I've seen many of his movies, I guess. And, and in general, I'm in favor of his movies. I really liked... Moonrise Kingdom, although I haven't seen a lot of these movies in a long time, so I wonder if going back I would have a different opinion on them, but I remember really enjoying Moonrise Kingdom, I remember enjoying the Royal Tenenbaums, I remember enjoying, what's the the scuba diving one? Life Aquatic? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember really enjoying that, Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, so I haven't watched them in a while, but overall I'd I'd say pretty favorable. Yeah, I'm not someone that worships at the altar of Anderson, but I'll certainly (laughs) see everything that he puts out. I appreciate that in many regards, he's kind of this singular voice in contemporary cinema. He he has a very unique style that is at this point, pretty much all his own. It's obviously very easy to parody, but (laughs) you know, I I love sort of generally speaking, I I love what he's put together and I I like the, the culture where he has just sort of amassed this, this wealth of really great talent that seems to follow him from project to project, which may have nipped him in the butt in this one, though. We'll talk about we'll talk about that. It's entirely possible, yeah. But yeah, honestly, I don't feel like I've truly loved a Wes Anderson film in a while. I think the last one that really took me was Darjeeling Limited. I've not seen it. I think I thought it was pretty great at the time, and I know that that was a divisive opinion amongst Anderson fans because a lot of people didn't think it was all, all that fantastic. Mr. Fox. Like Mr. Fox. <laughs> but I don't know. I really liked it. But again, I haven't seen it really since it came out, and I feel like with my sensibilities now, I might find a lot more problems with it and its setting in particular. Yeah, that that's kind of how I feel about some of his other movies as well. I, I will say, though, still love that in Life Aquatic when there's that Cigarro song at the very end. Ugh, it's so beautiful. You know, I've actually never seen Life Aquatic. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Cigarro One of the few. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen Bottle Rocket and I haven't seen Life Aquatic, and those are the only two. But um, did, how did you feel specifically about Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was his first foray into this stop-motion animation film we're about to talk about? Is this second foray? I remember loving it. I yeah. thought it was it was quirky. It was funny. I mean, I guess that describes all his movies. But <laughs> like, I I am someone who also very much enjoys animated or I guess non live action movies. So I think I'm prone to like some of that that type of movie that's a little more childish. I guess. So I really did. I really did enjoy Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I think with this specific style of animation. 
it's it's almost something that even if the film isn't that great, if technically they pull it off really well, there's still something to enjoy. And then you're sort of marveling at the fact that what you're looking at took, you know, a team of people a very long time just to create a few seconds of of the film. And some, something about that, even if the film itself isn't the most satisfying or well put together, like narratively, something about that still makes it a really interesting and fun watch. Yeah, like I didn't see that movie. Was it called Kubo that came uh, out recently? Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah. Uh, another one that suffers from some of the issues <laughs> we're going to talk about today. But I did, I did think that one was fantastic, Mr. Fox. <laughs> I went into that as... As uh, longtime fans of the show know, <laughs> I try to avoid trailers, and so I went in not realizing who a lot of the the voice talent was going to be in that. Yeah, and and I was sitting there, and I was like, "Is that is that Matthew McConaughey playing a samurai?" <laughs> and and is that like Charlize Theron? And it was just a lot of things where it, like it kind of took me out of it because like these are people I love, but I feel like they were not the best people for yeah. this job. So, but the reason I brought that up is because I do I remember seeing some of the behind the scenes of how that movie was made. And like you said, it's just so many frames for two seconds of, of film. Yeah. And it makes me think about like shots when it's just like a full cityscape or something that is just sort of an establishing shot. And yeah. you know, so much work had to go into that. Yeah. Just... Whereas in like a, a live action movie, you could just kind of <laughs> fly up a drone, <laughs> take a shot of like a, a city overhead. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's more involved than that. But... That's it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> but look for Paul's film coming out next year. <laughs> Establishing shots of cities <laughs> via drone footage. <laughs> all right. Well, with our general thoughts on Wes Anderson out of way, let's get into our review of Isle of Dogs. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're king. You're duke. You're boss. I'm chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. Darn it. I've got a crush on you. That was from the trailer of Isle of Dogs and just reading the description from their IMDb. Short and sweet, Paul. Set in Japan, Isle of Dogs follows a boy's odyssey in search of his lost dog. Very, very vague. I feel Mm -hmm. like leaves out some huge plot points, which I guess is desirable for me. And of course, you know, this draws from his huge pool of talent that often works with him. We have Edward Norton, Bob Balaban, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, Brian Cranston. I don't think Brian Cranston's been in a Wes Anderson film before. I don't think so. I feel like he's, but I feel like when a lot of these other Wes Anderson movies were coming out, he wasn't the star. He was no Walter White <laughs> at the time. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I am fully on board for Brian Cranston getting more work because yeah. I'm a I'm a cranced fan <laughs> i don't know if that works at all all right so paul mm-hmm. so this film 
set in Megasaki City, Japan, a, a fictional city in Japan in the future, a little bit the near future. What did you think of this film? So I thought that the film was good, period. Like, it was not great. I thought it was good. And without getting into the specifics of it until the spoiler section, I think that because it was just good, that doesn't justify to me some of the, like, it doesn't outweigh some of the other issues that it had. And I think that, not that those issues wouldn't have still been important to bring up, even if it was a phenomenal movie, but because it was just like, this was just good. And so, so there were, cause there were, there are choices that are made in the movie. And I feel like the result of some of these choices is what's drawing a lot of this, this criticism. And I don't think that a lot of those choices were necessary to happen. And so because of that's kind of what I mean. Also, when I say like, it was just good is that some of these more possibly controversial, you could say choices that were made to me, weren't the things that made it good that like so so it was it was these choices that i think were kind of unnecessary and it's almost like why did they have to do this then i guess i guess this isn't really a spoiler but i'll just say like the the choice of having it set in japan besides it it, it seems to me that there are two main reasons that it is set in japan one because i think wes anderson was like i like the aesthetic of japan which is kind of like a uh you know it he's exploiting that but then two i think it's set in japan so that the typical american listener will not be able to understand the language of the humans spoken in the movie yeah for, for those that haven't seen it yet all of the dogs at the beginning of the film, there's sort of a note that says the dog's barks are being translated into English and all the other languages being left as is. So any human being in the film, for the most part, save for, I think, two American or at least English speaking characters. Well, I got something to say about that, too, Eddie, but can finish your, finish all right. your sentence. All right. Aside, aside from those two, everyone else is just speaking Japanese and there's no subtitles and... There's sometimes translations via an actual translator played by Francis McDormand or through like news stations or the others. There's some means where occasionally things are translated, but there are often large sections of the film where if you do not speak Japanese, you will be totally lost. And some things you'll obviously pick up on, on context clues, but there are times when you truly feel like you're missing some piece of the story because you don't speak the language that's on screen. And, and I, so I guess my, again, to, to, to circle back to this, I feel like that it did not have to be specifically Japan for, to have that effect. It could have been any non one, one, it could have been any non English speaking country. And I feel like most, the typical American viewer who probably only, only understands English like myself is is it, it would have the exact same effect. And secondly, I feel like they could have also done, obviously this would have taken some effort into making it not super goofy, but they could have done like a peanuts type thing. That's where, exactly what I was going to yeah. suggest. Just like, a, wah, 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 yeah. Like, and, and they, I, I think that with all of the money that was put into it, with all the writers that are on it, I think they could have figured out a way to do that, to make it not silly sounding. Yeah. And and it would have had the exact same effect because again I feel like 
the reason that this is set in Japan is is for the aesthetic and then so that the audience members won't understand the language. And the aesthetic on its own, would you agree, Andy, it doesn't actually add anything to the plot. I would agree with that. It, it feels very hollow. It feels like taking a culture and using it as set dressing yeah. without paying like true respect to the the culture that's being exploited for the film. So, so because of because of that fact, because of those two things, where it's like, I, uh, in my opinion, the, the 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 setting doesn't tie into the like it doesn't it it ties into the plot, but it's not needed for the plot that's being the story that's being told, and the fact that they could have done this in any in any other country to get the language thing, to me makes it unnecessary that it was set in Japan and. That is the main, I guess this is a spoiler alert if you haven't read anything about this movie, but that's the main criticism I would say that's coming out about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And and I totally agree with that because the effect of this choice is very like otherizing to the human beings, the Japanese citizens of the film. It sort of puts you in a place where you can't really empathize with any of the humans for the most part. Uh, you can you empathize with the boy. Yeah, I think the boy is the closest that you get. And and so I think that Anderson was probably like, "Oh, I'm going to put the audience in the 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 point of view of the dogs. And if you're a dog, like you, you know, if you're like an actual dog in real life, you have your humans and you you pick up on certain words, you pick up on cues and you pick up on voice like tone and and things like that. And you sort of understand when your person is upset or sad or happy or wants you to do a thing. And, Oh, you remember this word. So you do this thing, but you don't uh, presumably, right. They don't ever have a true grasp on the languages that humans speak. And so I think that Anerthen probably thought that that was a very clever way of putting people in the shoes of the dogs. But uh, I think that something like a peanuts effect would be much better and much more universal because if you're someone that does speak the languages that are spoken in the film, then it's kind of like, you know, you don't get that effect. So he's, he's relying on this film being seen by specific people and, and arguably the people that don't speak that language are probably the ones that need, need those citizens of Japan humanized the most and not otherized the most. And so it feels like it's it's doing a lot of damage there. It feels just feels like, yeah, really hollow in terms of what he's doing. And it felt very ill thought through. And it just it feels like he feels like the cultures of the world are his playground and he can paint with Mm -hmm. a stroke of Japan and a stroke of this and that. And it's all fine because it's all tied together in his quirky little bow. And people are, (laughs) people are going to love it because Jeff Goldblum is a dog. Yeah. It sounds like Jeff Goldblum, you know, and I don't know. I'm glad that so many people are, are calling him on that because I think it's at the very least horribly insensitive. Do you have any other general views on it that you want to share before we get into the specifics? Well, I'll just say this about the film is that I think it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I think technically it is a truly impressive feat. I think even just looking at the dogs and there's no frame when like their hair or their fur is just sitting there. It's it's always kind of moving. It's yeah. blowing in the wind or it's just there's like life in every frame of the film. And 
I, I did enjoy the soundtrack. I think that there was times when it like really stuck out and really worked well with with the imagery in the film. But that's kind of where my enjoyment of the film ended. Yeah, I, I felt it was too long, and I know that's normally your criticism. <laughs> and it was it was like too jam packed while not having enough all at the same time. And to me, this is like low tier Anderson. Because like I appreciate the craftsmanship, but I was never able to like penetrate the heart of the story. I never really cared for anyone, even the dogs in this story. Yeah, the film is so droll and like dry and so like meticulously constructed that it just feels like you're watching this sanitized thing, even though it's taking place on this garbage island. It just feels very sanitized. It feels like I can't get to the heart and soul of this film. And so I, I, as I was watching it, the longer it went on, the less I liked it, and I couldn't wait for it to end. Wow. Yeah. And that sounds very harsh. Like, I didn't hate it, but I also was just, the more it went on, I realized I'm not getting what I want to get out of this film. Yeah. And, and you know, we shouldn't penalize filmmakers for not making the thing that we wanted exactly, but it just felt like I've seen him do a lot better even within his style, I've seen him do so much better. And this felt like he was more concerned with the technical aspect than creating a story that we could really get absorbed into. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we get into the spoilers? Yeah. So, so yeah, with that said, let's move on into the nitpick spoilers for Isle of Dogs starting right now. So I, I want to continue into the, about the, the language and the language barrier that's intentionally set up so that you empathize with the dogs and stuff like that. So at the, you had mentioned Andy at right at the beginning of the movie, it, it there's like that. It's like a written comically. So I don't remember exactly what it says, but it essentially is saying like all, all humans are going to be speaking in their native tongue. It's basically telling you that you're not going to understand them. And then it says like, save for the occasional like translation through a translator or there's something else that says too. from that. I thought that it was going to be almost entirely. You would never like rarely understand the humans, but in my opinion, the Japanese was translated into English pretty regularly. There was, there was, I thought a decent amount of English either spoken by humans or translated by the humans so that you can understand it. Mm -hmm. And again, on top of everything else, I've already said that just made it to me like, Oh, like they didn't need to do this in Japanese because most of it's been, or not most of it, but much of it, I think has been translated to English anyways. So it's like, I kind of felt like they should have gone and I get that they needed they needed to push exposition somehow, and like that's that's why they chose to do these translators. And I I bet you that the first the first right of this film there was like you could not understand the humans at all. Yeah. And then they were probably like, oh, there's like you you would mention Andy that you can pick up a lot of what people are saying through context clues, even if you can't understand them. But I'm sure they they tried it out with just purely in Japanese, like no English for translation for the humans. And they were like, oh, this doesn't really work. And then they kind of like put in these spots where it's either translated or, or someone is just literally speaking English. And I felt like that, that cheapened the, the gimmick of like, oh, we're the dogs now. Cause we can't understand them. When, when, 
I would say, no, I'm, I was going to say 20%, but maybe not 20%, but a, I thought a lot of the, the Japanese was translated. I thought too much of it was translated and, and it, and it, to me, it, it cheapened that, that gimmick. And then again, also made it just unnecessary that it was, it, it was like, oh, this is this, it's all in Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with you at all. It all. Yeah. It almost feels like he should have gone all the way with it or or like just giving us subtitles. Yeah. And and as the movie is right now, I don't think they would have been able to go all the way because then it would have just been long periods of us sitting and not understanding. Yeah. Even if we got it through context clues, I feel like that just it would not be as enjoyable if we were just like we were inferring what people were saying, but it would be like five minutes at a time of just like sitting there listening to another language that we didn't understand. Like I feel like that wouldn't be as enjoyable for a viewer. So I get why they did that, but I think they could have maybe written the story differently so that the exposition is still able to get across without having to do all that translation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's making, it's reminding me of this film that came out a few years ago called the tribe, which is all in sign language with no subtitles whatsoever. And it, it works really well. It was one of my favorite films that came out that year. It's a, it's a hard film. It's It takes place in, a I want to say, a Ukrainian school for the deaf. And, like, lots of bad things happen. It's, like, a very sort of ugly film in that regard. But you totally, for the most part, really understand what's going on. And it also really makes you empathize for, for someone that does have to go through life where, like, the, the language that is spoken commonly is not catered to them on a daily basis Mm -hmm. so yeah so like you as an audience member you are all of a sudden in that position like you are the dog now you know you're you're the man now dog you know (laughs) it's but it but it did it much more gracefully and much more effectively and it 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 humanized the people you know it like really you empathize with the people on the screen whereas this i feel like has the opposite effect and again I, i think it adds to that that level of impenetrability of this film where it was kind of like I can't get into this and I'm just sitting here and it's it's washing over me and it looks pretty and I recognize that guy's voice and who is oh is that oh Bob Balaban oh, when's the last time I saw him and you know it, like all of that's there and you're just I'm just like sitting there thinking who is that Harvey Keitel instead of being absorbed into the story and and it just felt like a real fail in that regard I think you're absolutely right about how like that movie that you were just referencing, not that I've seen it, but it gets you to empathize with those characters versus this movie. The, the purpose of that, that I don't want to call it a, a, tr- that trope, I guess we'll say the purpose of that trope is to get us specifically to empathize with the dogs who are all voiced by the majority of them voiced by white people. Yeah. And, and the majority of the characters who are Japanese that you see that get the most exposure are like evil people yeah. not the majority of well I, I would say like all the, the the main like the the head of the ceo but then also like the whole population I mean, yeah they're all painted as people that are like yeah sure we'll just ship our dogs off yeah, to die yeah. in crates on garbage island and without really much of a debate and yeah it, it doesn't really paint a flattering picture of the people of megasaki city it's it's really just the boy, the main character, yeah, and that student group, and then the one white girl, <laughs> the, the, the literal white savior, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that like, and again, I feel like the reason that they, I, 
I'm going to give Wes Anderson the benefit of the doubt and say like, he did not intentionally do that. And, and I'm going to guess that the reason he did that was he, because he was like, Oh, well I need this character to be able to give exposition and get points across. So I'm going to make her white so that she speaks English then. But like, like I've been saying, they've been using other devices in order for, to get the stuff trend, the Japanese translated into English throughout the rest of the movie anyways. So it's like, it was not necessary for her to be just a white person. Yeah. And, and I was like, when, when that happened, I was like, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. If, I mean, there's so many layers to that and it just has me thinking about like the Yulin dog meat festival and people like Americans need to come in and save the dogs from these evildoers. It like, yeah. it had levels of that mixed in as well. And I, I thought that, that her subplot, this exchange student, right, played by yeah. Greta Gerwig, was, like, so unnecessary. I felt like all of that could have been cut out. Every, anything that she accomplished was something that could have been accomplished by a Japanese citizen, a, a character that was, like, already in the story. They could have made that happen. You didn't have to bring in these other people. You know who I did love, person. though? Love that that hacker boy that, they, that like I don't think had any lines, but they would occasionally just cut to him, and then he would like turn around and look and look at the camera. Great, John Krasinski style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I liked that character. But yeah, that 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 you're right. That subplot it it didn't add anything. They tried at the end, the like the very end of the movie, they try to throw in this like romantic plot that that like has no relevance like even the so the the that the white girl is translating at the very end of the movie the the what the boy things that the boy is saying and he's like he says something like like oh and i've been reading the newspapers like written by this cute girl or something like that and it's just like why what's the like they've never in the in the other how long was this movie ending two hours in in like the rest of the hour and 45 minutes they've never referenced that those two characters even know each other or or would have any reason to know each other and then all of a sudden in the last 15 minutes they're like oh yeah and also there's this romantic plot that has been there the whole time we just haven't actually told you about it and that was like unnecessary yeah yeah i just felt like so much of this film is unnecessary yeah it's not like like the whole film yeah yeah (laughs) But so I don't know. I didn't that that you're right. That character, not necessarily not necessary. That subplot, not necessary. Just yeah. What do you feel like was the message that he was trying to get across? I see a lot of people saying this is his most political film to date. Hmm. I mean, he's not typically a political director yeah, at yeah, yeah. all. So even one tiptoe in that direction is. But do you feel like there was a message at all? Like I saw it when it came out, which at this point was several weeks ago, probably two, two or three weeks ago. And and I'm struggling to to have any impression left with me over what it was actually trying to say. Well, I don't think like I didn't. I personally didn't take this as him trying to have some big political message, but there definitely was a lot about propaganda and people just kind of going along with propaganda. So like I could see how I could see how someone could take that as the message. And I guess that's like a political message, but I feel like it's not, that's not saying anything. I feel like that's not saying anything new or it's not saying anything like extreme. It's just saying like, Hey, Sometimes 
big businesses or the government or whoever use propaganda don't get caught up in this stuff. Yeah. The end. It's, yeah. It wasn't saying anything like revolutionary. Yeah. It, yeah. It didn't, it didn't have some big takeaway that justified the film either. Yeah. Yeah. Like even Ferdinand had like a, a, a strong <laughs> like message about masculinity and yeah. toxic masculinity. This, this, now that I'm thinking about it, like I hadn't thought about that before, what the, the, the point of this movie was, what the message was. I, I feel like it's I feel like it's just a, a story that's being told. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, it just kind of felt like a kid playing in, you know, his sandbox and felt like, oh, I can just take this culture and put it up in the background and make some cool looking dogs and get my buds, you know, yeah. to come voice the dogs. And oh, it's a bummer because so many of the people in this film I, I love. And I'm like, oh, you know, Jeff Goldblum as a dog. Great. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I'll, I'll watch a whole TV series about that. But, <laughs> but then it's like tainted by all this other stuff. But Andy, Yoko Ono has like one line in it. <sighs> God. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. I remember seeing the trailer and, and immediately being like, this is really weird that it's set in Japan and all these voices I hear. And then I started looking. I was like, oh, okay, there are a few like Japanese actors in here, but then they're just given like one line like yeah, that. Ken Watanabe, I think, yep. is I think he's just like doctor. He's like one of the doctors at the end of the movie, I think. I that, that's what because I remember I remember seeing that he was in the movie uh-huh. before I saw it. And then when I was looking at the credits at the end of the movie, it said like uh surgeon, I yeah. think. And I was like, oh, that was like three seconds of scene <laughs> yeah yeah not good not good so. yeah well i don't have any other thoughts on this film do you think do you think it's worth people seeing i mean if you're an anderson completist obviously go see it but it, it's not it's hard for me to recommend it to people it's pretty far down on my list of films that i've seen this year is it worth seeing to spark these sorts of conversations <laughs> No, I feel like you can just share an article that someone's already <laughs> written about it. Yeah, yeah, I've read, I've, I've read some, some uh, good articles. I, I was, I read some articles before I saw it, so I was already kind of primed to, to, to what I was going to expect. But I think one of the articles that I liked the most, that was critical of it, was basically saying that it seemed like Wes Anderson just kind of thought about the stereotypical things about japan and made those yeah. like those are those are the centerpiece of of japan like yeah. at the end of the movie the ceo guy's like like oh i've brought shame to my like to my family yeah and and like stuff like that like it seems like wes anderson was like what's what what do i think japan is like yeah and let me make that into a movie <laughs> my my favorite article that i read the the headline was something like why is isle of dogs set in japan we're not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was like a, a bummer because, well, even if it wasn't set in Japan, I think it would have been an enjoyable movie. I wouldn't have been the best movie ever, but yeah. I think that kind of taints it for me a little bit. And because it was just for me, like a good movie because it has all the, all these issues. I, I like don't think I would recommend it to people. I, I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to go out and tell people like not to see it. I would bring up these issues, but I don't, I don't think it's something that I'll be telling people they got to go see. Yeah. I feel like if it didn't have the issues that it did regarding the, the cultural insensitivity and appropriation or however you want to call it, 
I'd be like, oh, this is like a solid B. Yeah. You know, but yeah. since it has those issues, I'm like, all right, C minus C- with <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is that it, Andy? I think we can consider this nitpicked. 